So allow me to ask a question. Why is it the United States seems to be so into warfare? Why do we keep funding it? Why do we keep prodding it? Why do we keep uh, celebrating it? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. As a child of the 1950s, I remember seeing a lot of World War II movies that were made after the war, even some that were made during the war. My father served in the United States Marine Corps. My wife's father served in the United States Army. My dad in the Pacific Theater, actually in China behind the lines. And my wife's father landed on D-Day at Normandy and lived to tell about it. The United States as a nation was born out of a war, the Revolutionary War, when as a nation we declared our independence from from England. Then we had the War of 1812, we had the war between the states, Spanish-American, World War I, World War II, the Korean conflict, Vietnam, and in recent years, including Vietnam, just one failure after another. Yet we spent a lot of money on war, and we are putting ourselves in grave danger. Now, I believe there are times that there are righteous and proper wars. Even the Bible teaches that. St. Augustine did a complete writing on the just war theory. But lately, I'm becoming more inclined to wonder just how just some of these wars are and how much truth is really being told. I've got a guest coming on in in just a moment. Today, very quickly, want to share two things. My wife and I, this program is pre-recorded. My wife and I are traveling to another part of the state. I have surgery in the morning on Tuesday. And uh, just keep me in your prayers. We're hoping to get some good news that things have done well on the bladder cancer journey. So we are going to be recorded already for tomorrow and Jim Calhoun on Wednesday. And God willing, I will be back with you with a brand new program and updates on what transpired, hopefully on Thursday. And even if not, it may not be that serious, but we'll, we'll do the best we can to keep you informed. I I do this radio program, and I pastor a small church that can be seen online, and I'm working on projects to increase educational opportunities for young people to get them out of this horrible school system that is the public schools in the United States. And and I, I think there's so much propaganda that we've been given. When I look back now at my childhood watching the World War II movies, A lot of it was propaganda. Now, I'm not saying that the other sides were right. I'm just saying that America always being right and God bless the USA and we can do no wrong is a dangerous place for us to be. I look at what's happening globally today and and I'm getting increasingly concerned. We we haven't won a war in this country since 1945. That's a while back. 80 years, going on 80 years. Everything else has been a stalemate or a failure. And yet we keep spending billions, if not trillions of dollars 
on a Department of Defense, which is becoming a Department of Intrusion and creating enemies for us globally. And you have to wonder, what is the end game? Qui bono? I keep using that expression, Latin for who benefits. It was Dwight Eisenhower that said, beware the military-industrial complex that grew out of the mass building project of World War II and the mass spending of World War II. My guest today on the program, we've had him on several times before, Frank Silvato. He does his own podcast called Underground USA. He's the author of a few books that I think are excellent. And so, Frank, as we look at where the United States is today, and those on both sides of the political aisle, all loving their wars and acting like we're so big and powerful that we can we can do a war in Ukraine, a war in the Middle East, and and maybe a couple of other wars. What do you think the odds are that we could have a multi-front war? Well, I, I've got to be honest with you. With the lack of strength in Washington, D.C., and it's it's just overt. It's overt. The, the Pentagon, White House, Congress... They don't have a. They don't have spine for this. Um, I believe China's looking at this. They've got a horrible economic situation over there. Uh, Z is going to be challenged in one way or another with the passing of the premier over there, who was a guy of a man of the people. So they're so his followers are saying. So he's going to have to do something in a demonstrative way to re-solidify his iron fist hold on the Communist Party in China. What better way than to repatriate Taiwan? So China could be the next theater in war. And America thought we had a difficult time when men were men back in the 1940s being in Europe and, and fighting Japan. Today, what kind of army do we actually have standing in today's world? What kind of navy do we have when we have drag queens on battleships, I mean, and aircraft carriers and destroyers, you know, having parties and, and, and cabaret dance shows. Are we ready to fight a war with a power like China? And of course, China's big concern is they're running out of young people to man their industries because of what they had done for so many years. The one China, you know, child policy Mm-hmm. Suddenly, they're they're running out of people to work the jobs and even fill the army. It won't be long till they have a bunch of middle-aged people trying to run everything and a lack of youth. Where is that going to leave them compared to us? Well, I, our our rate of birth over here in the United States is nothing to nothing to crow about either. I think we're down to one point seven or something, which doesn't doesn't keep the level that we're at right now. So we're facing what China's already already facing if, if we continue this ridiculous path going into the future. But China wasn't, they didn't just leap onto the stage to say, let's figure out a way to challenge the United States. They triangulated. And when, when Xi and Putin sat down and said, you know, we may not be allies, but we're of the same mind. And then they started talking to Iran. We saw the this nexus, this this new neo-axis power start to form. 
Now, if you thought we weren't ready for, if you thought we weren't ready for, uh, for battle with China, now we've got three fronts we've got to be concerned about, and China's not, you know, they've got a they've got a very large military force, and the way they clear minefields is sending a battalion through. Yeah, they don't, they're, they're godless people, so they don't really care about the value of life. Go. You know, with what they've been experimenting with, with the, um, with the, with technology where the battlefield people are concerned, that should be concerning too, because they're doing, they're going a step beyond in their, in their development of technology that Elon Musk is when he's talking about using technology and and the human body to, to. Uh, to overcome maladies in the human body. Chinese people are trying to create super warriors. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Biologically and and otherwise. And then they're triangulated against us. We've got, you know, we can't fight two wars. I don't care what Janet Yellen said when she's talked about being able to finance a two-theater war. We can't fight them. We went into the 21st technology, 21st century with an idea that we would be using multiple rapid deployment special forces, and we've got no land occupation forces. And, and war, anybody who's studied, it's about occupying land. Mm-hmm. You know, so China, you know, they may have some social problems at home and going into the future with their population, but it's still over a billion people. You know, one of the when I think about China on on multiple fronts, they're holding a tremendous amount of United States debt. And as I mentioned on a program the other day, I played a little audio clip of of Joe Biden talking about, you know, when I was younger, I used to bounce checks a lot. <laughs> you know, and I'm going, you still are. I mean, the United States is bankrupt. We are writing nothing but bad check after bad check. We just have the world's greatest overdraft protection from the Federal Reserve. And what's going to happen when the Chinese say, you know, you're funny money, no fun for us, no more. No joy in your funny money. And they want assets. They want hard assets. We don't have anything to give them except our nation. And they're going to demand payment at some at some point. You know, all these cheap televisions, computers and appliances and clothing and everything else from China... They, they just keep throwing us into more bad check debt and they're going to come well, wanting it back. Well, we've got, we are fiscally in our government is fiscally irresponsible and it's gone back for decades. Um, if, if not all the way back to the creation of the federal reserve, the federal reserve and, and I'm sure the listeners know are, you know, it's a, it's not government. No. It's a private sector entity of the biggest banks that get together and decide what they're going to do with the worth of your money. You know, it's funny. I was reading an article about that. When you look at the history of this nation going back to the very beginning and the danger of the idea of having some big central bank having too much control. Mm -hmm. And we almost got bankrupted once and ended up in a war, the War of 1812. Uh, The Civil War, same thing. Bankers made money on war. And every time you'd get the bankers out of the, you know, out of the way and try to get a different one, and then you try to fight them, we ended up always in a war, war, the Spanish-American War, World War One. It never ends. And then all of a sudden we have the new Federal Reserve. 
And this, instead of being one bank being made the winner, because there was always that competition, which bank benefits? You know, qui bono, who benefits? Mm-hmm. Now they got them all at the same table in Jekyll Island. And so the creature from Jekyll Island is born. And it's all the big banks, the same ones we have to this day, that have their tentacles into lending us money. All new money is nothing more than new debt. Period. And it used to be backed by gold. Now it's not backed by anything of any value. It's just paper funny money. Yeah, and that's a great book, by the way. If 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 people haven't read the Creature from Jekyll Island, mm-hmm. read it. It's, Excellent. It's, it will it will make your brain explode. Oh yeah, that they were allowed to get away with this. But you see, you know, you were talking about when bankers make money during war. I don't necessarily see the the neo fascist left that's in control of the United States right now caring whether or not we go to war because that would be the economic reset that they can't legislate. True. And war has always been the great economic resetter. Just ask uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt when he was alive before the yep. end of World War II. Yeah. All his great policies kept extending and deepening the Great Recession, a recession that would have ended had Roosevelt not gotten into office. Instead, he extended it, made it worse, inflation, and the only way out was a war. Yeah, it's a, it, it is the, throughout history, going all the way back to, to the Roman Empire, war was something that, that fixed broken economies. It, it, it fixed broken economies on local levels, regional levels, national levels, and reset the balance in the, in the world. So if we're looking at what's happening in the Middle East, mm-hmm. we're looking at what happened to Ukraine and Russia, and China decides to pull the pin over there in Taiwan, and we get into another global conflict, you're going to have the realignment of all the economies, and the big banks will still make their money. Because Which is what the World Economic Forum has been hoping for, the great fourth industrial reset. Absolutely. This Absolutely. has been the plan. And, and and when you we were talking before about Russia, for example, and China and Iran, we know, you know, you talk about a very unique combination of individuals that frankly don't like each other. All three hate each other. But then again, the Russians and the Chinese understand something about Iran that even Iran doesn't doesn't understand about themselves. Maybe they do intellectually, but emotionally, they can't accept it. The concept in the Middle East, and I've heard this from so many that have worked there, done anything there, understand the culture, the religion, in in a very Islamic culture, a fundamentalist culture. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Now, as soon as that common enemy is gone, then you go back to being enemies again. So, for now, Iran can say to China or Russia, you know, that you are our enemy, but the United States is a bigger enemy to us than you. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be willing to break bread and do business and do whatever we can to destroy our common enemy. And so you have the BRICS alliance, uh, which includes a surprising group of countries, including Russia and China and Brazil. And I mean, mm-hmm. and they're saying, you know, Who wants the United States funny money anymore for oil? Why don't we have a gold-backed currency, the BRICS currency? (laughs) Yeah, imagine that. And and then the United States, you know, you better come up with some gold. We we figured out in the 1970s, 
when France wanted to get some of their gold back, we didn't have it. We, you know, what gold? You're supposed to be holding gold. We got a bunch of your phony dollars here. We want gold for those dollars. And instead, no, no, we're no longer backed by the by gold. The good credit and faith of the United States will have to suffice. Yeah, I mean, it was the French that wanted their their money. They wanted their gold for our funny money, and we wouldn't give it to them. Well, and that's the danger of what the Federal Reserve is. That's that's the danger of what they are, and they just keep going along, making the decisions, unlegislated decisions. By the way, mm-hmm. if Congress had a spine, they could stand up and say, "You know what? We're ending that charter." You can't because see, that was not a constitutional amendment. Right. It was done by legislature and they rammed it through the House and the Senate and Woodrow Wilson signed it and they were on board by morning. Yeah. And people don't realize that if we actually had a conservative House and a conservative Senate and a conservative president all at the same time, not phonies and frauds and not the Mitch McConnell types and all that uh, or the or the Mitt Romney's. You could say, you know something, Federal Reserve, we're going back to printing our own currency. We, you guys are done. Goodbye. Go back and you know take a you know go take a hike or go swimming at Jekyll Island. We don't care what you do, but you're no longer running the show. And Janet Yellen, you're out of a job. We yeah, don't Janet, need you either. That's Janet Yellen was one of the biggest economic mistakes the country has ever made but then if you're looking at uh the idea of invoking the the Howard Piven strategy she was perfect mm-hmm. you know so when you when you just keep driving overloading society and in this case overloading the debt mm-hmm. it's going to rupture at some point in time and out of that chaos the new faction can come in and say, hey, I've got a solution, and human nature just pushes us that way. That it's That's just, you know, anybody who's got a cursory knowledge of psychology knows that when people are in a panic in the middle of chaos, they're looking for someone to put an end to that chaos. Um, it's exactly what Cloward and Piven said in their when they explained their strategy. We create the chaos, come in with the solution. That's how you affect change. And the progressives have loved that idea all along. Well, let's go back to some of the stories we've been reading this past week about 2018 coronavirus experiments in the United States in Montana uh, by Minnie Mengele. Uh, that's yeah. my name for Dr. Fauci, Minnie Mangala. Very accurate. And <laughs> so Minnie Mangala and company, along with Dr. Ralph Barrick, you know, the uh, the sweaty, heavy-necked fool that he is from North Carolina, and, and all of them that played games, they, they unleashed a pandemic. And who profited from the pandemic? Their, their friends and their buddies and themselves. Yeah. And they were running around playing with with things in 2018 that were frankly, you know, had prior been illegal. And so what could possibly go wrong importing a deadly pathogen virus from China to inject it into fruit bats in the United States? Well, what could possibly go wrong? Well, I'm big pharma in the United States, you know, and the umbilical cord leads back to the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. Um, Big pharma 
and the bankers and the World Economic Forum and this new neo-fascist elite that believes that just because they've amassed some wealth, they will rule the world. You know, we shouldn't be doing big pharma shouldn't be doing anything that they're doing, including obstructing pure pathways to cures to diseases to make money. Well, the old saying is they don't want cures. They want customers, repeat customers until the customer's dead. Then they'll look for another customer. Yeah. And and that's why when when I hear people say we have a cure for cancer, we have a cure for Parkinson's, we have a cure for MS, but we can't get it through the process. I, I tend to believe them. I do, too. I do, too. I, I think a story that I've shared before with my listeners, there's a doctor I know in South Carolina. I'm not going to give his name or the city that he lives. Uh, he is retired. He's probably now in his early 80s, but just incredibly good health and sound mind. At the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, understanding what he did, he's, he's one of those kind of doctors that has an incredible mind. And he did his research, his due diligence, and he had discovered things that even I had discovered accidentally myself. In my studies working in emergency management, I was looking for information about SARS-CoV-2, mistyped it, ended up with just SARS-CoV-1. There was actually another coronavirus in 2003 and 2004. Pray tell, where did it come from? What was it? There, deep buried in the bowels of the CDC website were these abstract PDF documents that I immediately downloaded. And they're talking about a lab-created coronavirus, sound familiar, that somehow got out and thankfully was put in check early enough where only 30,000 Americans died in a short amount of time. But with all the research they did, they, they came to one conclusion. Of all the things that they did or did not do, hydroxychloroquine worked. And so the prescribed procedure for a coronavirus pandemic outbreak is to get hydroxychloroquine into everybody you can as fast as you can. Imagine that. And they discovered that it worked. So what happens, Trump, just like me, comes across the same thing from the CDC that I did, and he opens his mouth and it's like, you know, burn the witch. I mean, it's like, what what do you, that's medical malpractice. No, it's from your own stinking website. Right. And and if you remember in the very beginning when, when Trump was saying we have to nip this in the bud and he was giving the green light to not only the CDC and and Dr. F- Dr. Fauci, Minnie Mangala and and Big Pharma, he was a wonderful pre- he was a wonderful guy. It wasn't until he came out with, you know what? We should be doing hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Because we went, already knew oh. we knew that in two the afterwash, and I'm trying to make like about 15-page document that just kind of went right to the bullet points in the afterwash of the 2000, late 2003-2004 first coronavirus outbreak. And it was, you know, engineered in China. Go figure. Mm-hmm. How it got to the United States. There was a little iffiness about where it came from. I think it was being played with even back then, even though they would never want to admit to it. But... I'm sure that there was some stuff going on that shouldn't have been going on. We've learned that over time, too. 
but they discovered what works. And suddenly that became banished. That became fake news. That became a way to deplatform you off YouTube, off Facebook, off Twitter, off anything. And, and you were just like to be shunned and ignored as evil and, and, and a parasite. And all of it was true. And because they, because you, people weren't people with brains, people who read the studies. And remember early on, the studies out of John Hopkins said that, that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were a viable, a, a viable course of action here. And then and, and suddenly it, everybody dialed back on it because big pharma applied pressure. Well, this doctor in South Carolina being retired, but still active. When he figured this out, he got a hold of a tremendous amount of doses of hydroxychloroquine, because he could. He treated over 800 patients, 800, all ages, elderly. Only one of 800 died. Only one. And that person that died was, I believe, according to... Uh, the one guy that knows him even better than I do, they had a they had lunch, you know, several months back. And, and he said, yeah, the guy was 87 and had COPD and other issues, and he wouldn't have survived the common cold, let alone this. Yeah. And so he treated 800 people and only one frail individual with extreme health issues didn't make it. It's like the first patient I dealt with when I was working back in emergency management, we're waiting for, we're all waiting for the first death. We're -hmm. in the emergency operations center waiting for the onslaught of dying bodies, just like we saw from China, just walking down the street with their face diaper and collapsing and dying in a split second and the hazmat people to pick them up and haul them away. And, And, you know, and something didn't even seem right to me about that then. And so we're waiting for the first death. And remember, you probably remember from doing some of the radio stuff you were doing at the time. We had these absurd numbers coming to us from the CDC and other locations that came out of the Imperial College of London, which was Mm -hmm. all bogus. We were told in our county of 300,000 people, county of 300,000, we were told in March that we should expect by the end of July, August, somewhere in there, 3,000 people would die. 3,000. The computer model said so. So I spent the first month and a half there, besides doing media work and public relations and getting information out, I'm helping to locate where we're going to have temporary morgues for 3,000 deceased people in a county of 300,000. We looked for every old reefer truck, refrigerator truck, and every generator we could get our hands on, hiding them all throughout the rural parts of the county with roads that were blocked off, you know, just little dirt roads. And we were going to stack bodies in there and keep them cold until we could figure out how to dispose of them. And I remember spending $8 million of, of, of grant money to do that. And that's what our team did, because that's what we were told to do. And then we're sitting there waiting for the first death. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have a death and 10, then 100, you know, kind of thing. And over the next three weeks, the first guy died. He was like 88. Mm -hmm. Um, He was an alcoholic, heavy smoker, COPD, lived in a mobile home, ill and mean as mean could be. And he had been in and out of the VA hospital four times in the last six months for his chronic heart and 
uh, COPD condition, and he had a he went to the hospital with breathing problems. They gave him a corona test. He was positive, and he happened to die. So there it is, patient number one. And then a few days later, number two. And then over the weeks, three and four. And all of them had one thing in common. They were all over 80 and mm-hmm. either in the hospital or a nursing home already with serious health issues. And something said, get out of here. By the time April came around, I, I agreed to hang in there into May. And God just laid in my heart, get out, time to leave. And and I kept, and when the summer came to an end, and it was in September, I, I, I kept in contact and I did a little, I, I checked in. I could still go into the dashboard, you know, that the workers like myself could. And 3,000 people did not die, but 52 allegedly did. 52, not 3,000. That's a big difference. It's a huge difference. And when you look at, at the underlying, and this is a, a lot of... A lot of more, a lot more doctors are coming out to say this now that there's a good chance you won't get fired for having an opinion. That the people who were classified, a lot of them who were classified, especially if they were in the vulnerable demographic, mm-hmm. who died, COVID was a was just one of a litany of things that these people had wrong with them. And in many cases, it was a positive test. And and I mentioned last week in the program, one thing I learned early on, CT, cycle threshold, is the most important thing for that kind of a PCR test. And the inventor of the test made it very clear that any cycling over 24 gives you false garbage and false positives and nonsense. Now, a cycle threshold, I'll remind people again, it's like doubling a penny. First day, you get to two cents. Second day, you get to four, then to eight, then to 16, then to 32. Then to, You don't even hit a dollar by the first week. But by the end, if you go 30 cycles, you could be a million something. So it's quite an amplification. Mm-hmm. But when you start getting beyond a CT of, of 24, you start amplifying nonsensical garbage that's not COVID. Never was COVID, but it looks like COVID. And so they're, 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 I've seen reports anywhere from one-third to 90% of all coronavirus tests were false positives. And so if you had had a positive coronavirus test and you died in an auto wreck within 60 days, you died of the coronavirus. You died of COVID-19. Same thing with, like I say, gunshot wounds, falling off a building. I mean, it was all, all COVID all the time. Because nobody died of the flu. Nobody died of cancer. Nobody died of heart attacks anymore. They all died of COVID. Well, look at, look at what happened with the, with the stats for regular flu for, from 2020 on. Those, the, the stats for people who died from regular influenza dropped to almost not even existing. And, and COVID took over. So, you know, so th- you can make numbers say just about anything you want. The thing, and I think now we all understand that the uh, the numbers around COVID, none of them can be trusted. The thing that I want to see about this going forward, and I doubt we ever will, is people paying a price for purposely manipulating the numbers processes. I want to see the person, the people who sat down and put this algorithm together in London, I, I want their names. I want them to pay a price. I want the people at the CDC who knowingly advanced false information to pay a price. 
we live in a society now where where anybody who's in an a an authority office or an authority position can completely manipulate how people think they can they can lie to them they can come back and 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 gaslight as as much as they want and no one pays a price for it until we stand up and say a price must be paid for people who are manipulating the public it's just going to keep going and it's going to get worse my guest today is frank salvato frank if you hang on we have a break to take and i want you to come back we have a few more topics i would like for us to get into today but right now i want to remind you that october was a very difficult month here at truth to ponder and we really could use your help to make sure we can continue on shortwave i'd like to expand but i need your help to do it podcasting is great it works but i think for this radio program shortwave should still be our number one outlet the airtime is not free even though i am now if you believe in the work we're doing you can go to our website truth the number two ponder.com truth the number two ponder.com you can look for the support tab and use give send go or make a check or money order payable to ancient word radio ancient word radio post office box 510 that's post office box 510 the city is chilhowie c-h-i-l-h-o-w-i-e chilhowie the state virginia the zip code 24319 once again p.o box 510 chilhowie virginia 24319 that zip code again, 24319. And we will be right back after we take this break. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Run! Shalom Aleichem. This is Jonathan Kahn, the nice Jewish boy, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're really going to love. Now, the story of the prodigal son, you know it, the son leaves the father, sins, and at the end he comes back hoping to be received as a slave. But know what, what happens at the end? The son's ready to return, but from a distance the father sees him. And what does he do? Does he walk away from his son? Does he wait for his son? Does he walk to his son? No. He does an amazing thing. He actually runs to his son. He runs. And the amazing thing, even more than that, is that this is a picture of God, an accurate picture given by God of God. See, it's enough that he doesn't judge us. It's enough that he actually forgives us, he, that he actually loves us, that he actually comes to us, that he he doesn't just come to us. He runs to us. We come having sinned. He comes running to us. The Bible says he longs to have compassion on us. You know, he, he delights to have compassion on you, my friend. He doesn't just not judge you. He doesn't just uh, allow you to approach him. He runs to you. That's how much he loves you. That's how passionate his love is. So don't ever doubt the love of God. He doesn't just love you. He runs in his love to you. So learn how to run to him. Don't just wait for God. Don't just come to God. Run to God. Run in his arms. Run into his, with passion into his presence. Run as somebody who can't wait, who delights to be with him more than anything else. Let's run. The Bible says in Song of Solomon, let us run. So run in love, run in joy, run in faith, run in hope, run in serving him, run in worship, run in righteousness, run in the spirit. Don't walk, run. Because he didn't just come to you. He ran. 
Want more? Ask for the prodigal father on CD. Now the free gift for you. The mystery of the temple doors on CD. You'll love it. And sapphires, the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Special teachings, updates on Israel, world events and prophecy. And the secrets of strength and victory for every day of your life. How do you get your free gifts? Easy. Just remember Yeshua, Jesus' real Hebrew name, and you dial it. To receive your free gifts, just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. It's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now you might need to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel. God promises he will bless the one who blesses Israel. And to reach the world, the unreached peoples, in the most incredible way you can ever do it. Through Shoei Radio, you can blank the earth. It's amazing. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. Just write to the nice Jewish boy at box 1111 Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, box 1111 Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, run, don't walk. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah, Ben Ha'aba, the son of the father. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you back to the Monday edition of Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. A lot of things that I want to share before the program is over today. Tomorrow, I can assure you the program is going to have to be pre-recorded well in advance because I will be in another town about a couple of hours away from our home. We were leaving Monday night to head up to that community. I've got surgery in the morning. And so just keep me in your thoughts and your prayers as we go through this bladder cancer journey a little bit farther. We are hoping the what we find out tomorrow uh, will be good news. We have been doing well. I mean, I feel better than I have on many levels in years. I just got to get more active again. I mean, when this cancer hit and I got lazier and I didn't feel right and and all that was going on, you know, you gain weight and you get lazy. But I've been feeling so much better. I was also very anemic because of the bleed out that had been going on for quite a long time. So I'm feeling better. And and my prayer is tomorrow they, they go in, they look, and they don't see any new cancers or anything. And then I can basically come home and keep on keeping on doing the things that I really believe are vitally important. This radio program, the church that we've started, and, and some other things that I will tell you before the end of the program today. Got some exciting news to share, so you don't want to to miss it. My guest today, Frank Salvato, who does the Underground USA podcast, and and I enjoy bringing Frank on because Frank gives another perspective. We, we see so many things similar, but even sometimes from a different perspective, from a different viewpoint, and another angle that needs to be recognized as a part of the full equation. I look at certain things very strongly, how it affects our culture. The things that I'm seeing, We Frank and I talked about the military at the beginning of the program and, and how well, awful it has become. It's an embarrassment. 
It's an embarrassment when you've got people joining the military to have a sex change operation or to run around and drag or, or whatever they're doing these days. It's all a big social experiment that could lead to our nation's destruction by not being capable of defending our, our own borders. The watchmen on the walls have been screaming that our military's in trouble. And then you look at the idiots and morons in charge, like Lloyd Austin. And I'm so thankful that thoroughly modern Millie is gone. <laughs> but what we've got is even worse. So, you know, we, we talk about wars. We talk about getting into wars, Frank. Like, like we're going to go in there and save the day in the Middle East. Or we're going to, you know, get our faces right up there with Russia or China or, you know, we couldn't go. We, we couldn't get into a war with Canada right now for crying out loud, and, and survive it. But then again, as I mentioned before to you before we started the program, they're so woke and broke up there in 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 Canada, it'll be a bunch of transvestites hurling insults at each other at the border. I mean, this is what, that's my envisionment of what would happen today. What kind of hope? I know that you do your program, and, and you're like me. We expose the dark things of this world and we hope to see some change what do you hope for that can be accomplished well we do in order to get control of of the bureaucracy and that's what the deep state is it's the it's the bureaucracy in washington that has outgrown itself that has that has almost negated the will of the people because they just do what they want to do. They're ruling by regulation. And and regardless of whether or not legislation is is created to give them the power to do so. And they lie a lot. They lie a lot because they believe they know more than we're we do. We're not coming after your gasoline car or your gas stove. Oh, no, no, no. We're not. We're not coming after your washing machine or your dishwasher or your ceiling fans. Well, let's go back to Lois Lerner. If, if, you did, <laughs> yeah. if you didn't have the right mindset, then you were erased. You you weren't allowed to speak. That's when the, you know you can you can almost make an argument that that was a a bump up in the cancel culture at that point in time. Using mm -hmm. the federal government as a weapon they still to do. silence people. The IRS so, is still used. Yeah. Well, it's that's why that's why the eighty billion dollars they wanted to give up was so egregious. The $87 billion for new IRS people to go after the, the billionaires and the millionaires. Well, that's that's we everybody knows that wasn't true. They were going to audit everybody in the middle class to try to expunge it. The, the neo-fascists the neo who are in control now don't like the middle class. They want serfdom again. They want the, they want the non-elites to be beholden to government so they can be controlled. And they want the older middle class dying off quicker. Absolutely. So, I, you know, I, I outline a whole slew of things that we can do in, in the current book I have out called Nullification. Uh, you, you know, you said, what can we do to get back to good or at least start on that journey? We need governors and state legislators to have spines to invoke nullification on federal law that's not constitutional. And people say, well, you know, that debate's out. You can't use nullification. That is that is a false argument because California, Illinois, New York, 
they all use nullification against federal immigration law by being sanctuary states. They've already done it. The, the, the precedent is set. Mm-hmm. So if the, if the radical left can use nullification in order to imbalance what citizenship means, then the constitutional right should use that perfect it and employ it you know you've you've got to have you've you've got to make a um make it a make it something that a five-year-old can pick his sex and start taking start taking hormones that will affect his life for the rest of time well no we don't mm-hmm. we're nullifying that executive order that legislation that regulation you know um it, obamacare no we're not doing it mm-hmm nullify it's it, we're invoking nullification well then you don't get this good then we'll keep that tax money back in the state and we'll take care of ourselves mm-hmm. you got to re-empower the states and and they neutered the states back during woodrow wilson's administration when they mm-hmm. took the big firewall that the constitution put in for the states it's called the united states senate yep and everybody i don't most uh, most young people today have no clue that we didn't vote for senators prior to that time. Yep. They were appointed by their state legislatures to do the state's bidding as a firewall to keep the federal government from becoming monstrously too big and too involved in our day-to-day lives. Absolutely. And the idea was when when some big government idea comes along, this you know, the state of Georgia, along with, you know, basically half of the other states plus one. Uh, decides, you know, we don't like this idea. Forget it. Done. Gone. Can't do it. But once it went to direct election, we we engaged into a, an opportunity for the finest level of corruption. And we have the best Senate that money can buy by big industry, by big money, and by the bankers. I mean, who do you think finances the United States Senate race of Mitt Romney? The lowly <laughs> people out there? Who do you think finances Lindsey Gramnesty or Flimsy Gramnesty or, or Mitch McConnell or any of them or even Chuck Schumer? All of them have been financed by the big corporations, big pharma, big whatever, big tech. And they're beholden to these companies that love the fascist form of government. Because, see, if you're the big company like, oh, I don't know, Porsche was and back in World War II with Hitler... You became wealthy. If you were the Bayer Corporation, pharmaceutical, in Hitler's Germany, you became wealthy and respected. All these big companies, BMW is another one. All these companies, Telefunken, all did very well under Hitler uh, because they believed in this fascist style of government. Private ownership, government dictates, so we suck up to the government, and we got a monopoly, and we can make as much as we want with the government's blessing. Yeah, and let's let's fast forward that to today. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that playing out in the United States. The the Biden administration and, and, and our Congress couldn't move things through legislation, so they enjoined the private sector. Now, do you want to look at COVID? Mm-hmm. Okay, they couldn't they couldn't legislate a mandate for everybody to be vaccinated. But suddenly, if you went to work and you weren't vaccinated, you were you let go. Mm-hmm. 
If you weren't into diversity, equity, and inclusion, you were let go. If you didn't, if you didn't adhere to um, and, and acquiesce to the idea of critical race theory, you were a bigot and you were let go. The private sector is starting to enforce ideology that's coming, that that's prevalent in the radical left, the neo-fascist left that's mm-hmm. in control of the country right now, and and they're doing their bidding for them. So that unholy alliance that creates the very definition of fascism, it's here. And that's what we're. That's what our government is today. And the co- and the companies, their attitude is simply this: as long as we are making record profits, <laughs> we don't care. Right. And and you're seeing, you know, some of them are starting to dial back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Anheuser Busch is like, well, that didn't work for us. Bud Light's now pretty much done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, they lost, I believe, thirteen percent of their worth. Because of what they tried to push down people's throats with with the transgenderism. Yeah, Dylan Mulvaney. Yeah, and Coca-Cola has eliminated the verbiage on their website about supporting Black Lives Matter. Because it's it's it was a group that absolutely grafted the people. And, and Disney is still trying to figure out what did we do wrong to lose all yeah. of our people and half of our value and everything else in a year? Yeah. What did we do? The voters, the true voters, not the people who go out and, and harvest ballots and, and and are zealots for an ideological cause, the rank and file people that and brainwashed really, into it, a cause because they don't understand yeah. it. It should it should be pointed out that we don't have more than in, on a good election cycle. We have less than 60 percent of the eligible people voting. And that's that's a crime. And in some places, even less. I I would venture, you know, a lot of people don't know this, and I did not know it until recently. New York City has voting for many of their offices and primaries on days that, like, nobody's ever going to get to the polls. And it's almost like by design. It's going to be like on some Monday morning uh, in in the summer or, or when school starts or people are on vacation. They All these elections... You get people that are winning elections in a city the size of New York by just a few thousand votes, mm-hmm. and they're not. And, and the votes are only in the lower thousands. They're not even in the in the hundreds of thousands. If they could, they would put election day on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, and only during the time the game is on. Right. right. You have to show That's- up at one, and you got to be out when they when when the game's over. We shut the polls down. Yeah, that's that's an, another way that the that the ideologues and their ideologues don't only exist on the left side of the aisle; they exist across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but that's to be expected because we're humans. Well, it's the like reason- it's like I, I discovered in South Carolina, a town that I lived in and where part of my family is from, uh, that what they would do with these bond issue elections you know this is where the school board which is a taxing authority people Mm -hmm. forget that you know there are people that blindly believe that the county government gives the money to the schools nope the schools are their own taxing authority Mm -hmm. and the only thing that the county does is collect on behalf of the school the millage rate that the schools set in other words they're just a collection agent that's it and so they would have these they would they would have these schools they failed to take care of for decades. Just they're, they're falling apart, you know, and they need new ones, bigger ones, beautiful ones, you know, big parks. And, you know, they they want the best. And so they would have 
this election on like on a on a day when nobody they never I mean unless you're looking at the little tiny ad in the newspaper that's buried under legal notices a lot of people never knew that there was an election for spending 130 million dollars in that small county on a new building and so the only people voting were the school teachers if you mm-hmm. follow mm-hmm. and th- those that thought it was a great idea the school board members families you know, and keep in keep in mind also that when you you know when when you take a ballot, there's usually a a side of the ballot that has um, the judicial races mm-hmm. on them. Do we retain? Do we get rid of them? Right. And people have no clue unless you're involved in local politics. People have no clue whether this judge is somebody who actually um, or school actually, board member. Or school board member, but I'm the judicial thing is a little bit starting to get a little bit more important because mm-hmm. the judiciary is getting politicized. So you have activist judges and they're giving activist decisions, um, and but you don't know how they rule because nobody pays attention down mm-hmm. to the nitty gritty mm-hmm. about who the judge is. Right. You know. So what? How do you how do you combat that? It's a it's a legal election. Our election process hasn't evolved, and I'm not yes. talking about access to ballots. I'm talking about access to information on who's on the ballots. You know, I I will. I'm I'm not bragging on myself, but yeah, I am. Um, I know, especially when we lived in Florida, uh, I would do a lot of research by looking at the sample ballot. And I would look up every race, whether it's judicial, mm-hmm. whether it's retaining a Supreme Court judge, which is how they do it in Florida. You know, do you want to keep this guy or dump him? You have the opportunity to dump a judge in Florida. Right. And, and a lot of the judges, it's not a matter of voting in a new one. It's do you retain? And if you don't, then they can appoint a new one. And and so I did research on every one of the judges and I found some that were OK and some that no way, you know, said it ain't going to happen. And the same with other offices that are the same thing in Florida. And the same is true in other states. Do you retain? And you know, Bob, it doesn't take that long. Took me about about an hour, hour and a half to go through the entire ballot. And then I could tell my wife and I, okay, here's here's why I don't want to vote for this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this person, we've known this person. You know, I I look at at our city council and that we had commission in, in Florida. Um, you know, I could just, I could smell the rhinos from the fakes, phonies, and frauds, and and the ones that just never never found money they didn't want to spend on some stupid project that we can't afford while our ha- while our taxes keep skyrocketing, insurance cost in Florida what more than doubled in about mm-hmm. a year, and and they just have. But we need more money, too. Well, I need more money. So someone's going to have to do with less. Why is it always me that does with less? And you guys always get your raises, always get your new vehicles, always get whatever you want. And I don't. And and I'm getting a little tired of it with local governments saying, but we need it more than you. No, you don't. And matter of fact, maybe we ought to dissolve the city and be done with it because all you've ever done is put us in debt. The city of Port St. Lucie, where we've lived has got to be one of those, I call it the city of Port St. Lousy, the way they do things there. <laughs> uh, traffic, uncontrolled growth, you name it. And constantly in debt, constantly with money woes, constantly needing more. But they want another park. They, they, want, they don't take care of things. In other words, they're an inept government. And, their school board, and the schools in that county are also crappy. 
I got too many people that graduate high school that think two and two can't equal five if you believe it in your heart. You know, I mean, this is, yeah. and they, they're illiterate, but they graduate with cords and honors. So. Well, this is this is where the issue of, of, and this goes from national all the way down to municipal. Right. Professional politicians as people who govern doesn't work. Yeah. You know, you if you get somebody who's concerned about governing, they map out a budget and that's all we can do this year, mm-hmm. figure it out mm-hmm. for next year. Today's governments, even at the municipal level, anywhere in the country, except for very few places, uh, have gotten the, um, have metastasized that cancer of, well, we can borrow from tomorrow to pay for it today. Yeah. And, and on top of that, before, and by the way, we got to start winding things down here and I want you to talk about the things you do the other thing is all these local governments oh but it's it's federal grant money it's not your tax dollars <laughs> what are you yeah, t- that, that just grows off the big federal grant yeah, I, I know i yeah it just it's not in the backyard and then they they feed it manure and it grows so that's yeah. how that works a lot of manure yeah and then so i mean th- th- this idea but it's grant money yeah no it's still your money it just went and was well, it, you send them a dollar and you got 40 cents of it back, you know, yeah. for that grant, because it took 60 cents to administer it to get it back to your town. Quickly, your website, what you do and your podcast. You can find everything I do over at undergroundusa.com. It's a, it's a sub stack, so uh, it comes straight to you, whether it's an article or whether it's a podcast, circumventing the censors and the fact checkers who we all know are worthless. Um, and uh, be sure to check out my new book, Nullification, the case for decentralizing the federal government available on Amazon. Well, my guest today has been Frank Selvato. And I want to thank you, Frank, for being with me today on this program. Had a lot of positive feedback the last times you have been on, and I'm going to try to get you on again. Matter of fact, there are a number of guests that many of you have said you like, some that you miss, and we'd like to get them back on too. In some cases, it has been a scheduling conflict and nothing more, nothing less. So we're, we're going to try to bring on some of those people that you have indicated you like hearing here on Truth to Ponder. Once again, I mentioned that tomorrow, Tuesday, I have surgery in another part of the state. Please keep me in your prayers as we will be traveling out Monday night and getting back hopefully Tuesday late afternoon, early evening. And I'll give you an update as soon as I know something. It may be Thursday or Friday. Jim Calhoun will be here on Wednesday. This month of October that just passed was a difficult time. We we really are trying to grow, but right now I know times are tough and many of you have expressed it to me. But if there's any way you can support this radio program, we're a radio program. We're more than a podcast. I need your help. You can do that by going to the website, truth2ponder.com, or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Post Office Box 510, the city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L, H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia 24319. That's Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia 24319. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, 
truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.